Um, you know, for me, I think we should be tough on immigration, uh, illegal immigration, but I also think we should be globalist. I think we should be, uh, uh, you know, free marketeers. And I think we should recognize that we want to be able to have a society that attracts the best talent in the world. Um, and uh, so that we can grow a pluralist, uh, successful uh, society in the world. And I, th I think, again, because I want to have diversity of thought, I might my diversity that I want is I want lots of different uh, people contributing to a very successful uh, society. Hello and welcome to Think Atlantic, a podcast series by IRI's Transatlantic Strategic Division in which we provide you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. My name is Thibaut Muzerg and I'm your host for this show. Today we are going to talk about diversity and how some parties on the centre-right have promoted it for the better. And there is no better place actually to do this than the UK Conservative Party Conference in Birmingham, which is being hosted right now. And I am joined today by Saqib Bati, who is a member of parliament representing the constituency of Meriden in the West Midlands. Uh, he has been representing this constituency since 2019, and he is also vice chair of the Conservative Party. Prior to his political career, he was a chartered accountant and president of the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce. Both his parents are of Pakistani origins and throughout his career has been a champion of inclusion in the political debate and the business community for which he was actually awarded a, an MBE in 2020. Saqib, uh, many thanks for taking the time to join us today amid uh, what must be a very hectic conference day and uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Thibault, and thanks for inviting me on. It's a, it is such an interesting time in British politics. And of course, a lot of the politics, and a lot of the headlines are being made at the Conservative Party conference. And uh, I look forward to unpacking some of those things with you. Sure. So there are a lot of politics going on, obviously, uh, these days, and uh, we are actually not going to, to to talk so much about, you know, really the the, the big picture and, and what's going on generally uh, in, in, in the UK right now, although that itself deserves a full episode. But focusing already on diversity and the Conservative Party, I think we already have a, a, a lot to talk about. And let's start actually with, with the Conservative Party conference, uh, because uh, although she is already officially prime minister and leader of the party, this conference is in many ways the baptism of fire for your new party leader and prime minister, Liz Truss, who is the third woman in British uh, history to get this post after two other eminent conservatives, Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May. But there is more to this story, right? Because out of the 10 contenders for Britain's top office this time, half were women and half were from ethnic minority background, with one of them, Nadim Zahawi, uh, who was actually born outside the UK in Iraq in the 1970s. Um, and, and finally, I mean, let's have a look at this conservative cabinet, which I think is the most diverse in the country's history. Uh, none of the four top jobs have been taken by a white male. We have obviously Liz Truss as prime minister, Kwasi Kwarteng as chancellor of the exchequer, Fuela Braveman as home secretary, and James Cleverly as foreign secretary. So now that I've unpacked all of these facts, uh, I'd like to ask you a question, Saqib, uh, yeah. uh, which is what does that tell us about the United Kingdom in general first, but more specifically about the UK Conservative Party? 
Well, look, Tibo, you've hit the nail on the head. We are, um, and I personally, I'm so proud of uh, the Conservative Party. I mean, you're absolutely right. We've had, we've got the third uh, female uh, prime minister. We've got a incredibly diverse uh, cabinet. Um, and uh, I think, I guess the first thing I'd say is that these things don't happen overnight. Um, for example, we had um, Sajid Javed, who uh, up until recently was uh, health secretary. Um, and prior to that, he was a chancellor of the Exchequer. He was home, home secretary uh, and business secretary. Uh, you know, he's he was the first and not a uh, first ethnic minority cabinet member. So uh, he broke what I would say is, I guess, that first glass ceiling that, you know, one of the first people to do that. It was, it was a it was a great uh, achievement. And for me, I think if you ever had to wonder what it meant to conservatism, uh, what it meant in the context of our modern day 21st century politics uh, about uh, what is more successful, is it the uh, the meritocracy of the right and the center right, or is it the uh, the kind of the box thinking of uh, the left? Clearly, we are uh, showing time and time again that if you have, irrespective of your past, irrespective of where you come from, um, if you have something to give and if you have a talent and you're willing to work hard for it, um, uh, you know, the United Kingdom and the Conservative Party have uh, the space for you uh, to succeed. And, and that, that has been absolutely crucial. And we, we were the party that we you know of Benjamin Disraeli, who uh, was uh, of Jewish background. We had uh, Margaret Thatcher, we had Theresa May, um, uh, we've had uh, now Liz Truss. And we showed time and time again that if you are a true conservative, you believe in conservative values, this party uh, will, will, there is no limit to where you can go in this party. And that contrasts quite significantly with what you see uh, on the left and from the Labour Party. And um, I, I think the, the, the thing, I'd say is actually, um, because it's based in merit, you know, it's quite possible that we will, uh, you know, and quite likely that you will have a uh, middle-aged white male because uh, quite, quite often you do hear, oh, well, you know, there's, there's all this positive action that's stopping uh, others going forward. Actually, it's about who's right for the job and the right person can appeal to all communities uh, and everywhere. And I think um, the, the Prime Minister today, uh, when, when she did her, her speech, um, uh, she spoke about how, um, you know, while we do what we do, there's, um, I think there was a joke, which I'll probably mess up when I say it, uh, but she said the, the, the left and the Labour Party, are, 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 there's lots of talk and they're all trousers. Uh, and I think while it, while it was a tongue in cheek, uh, you know, uh, gag and jibe at the Labour Party, I think there was a real serious message there uh, that the Labour Party and the left have a lot to catch up on. And uh, if you do not fit the, you know, you do not conform to the ideas that they think you should conform to, uh, you cannot get, get any further. Whereas, of course, we do not have those uh, limitations. Mm -hmm. So we'll get back to the to the Labour Party and and and, and your relationship with it and, and, and the appeal of conservatism to to, to minorities. But here, uh, I have to I guess I have to show how old I am uh, by by remembering the old days uh, because you know what we're talking about diversity in the Conservative Party. It was it was not always like that. And 25 years ago, uh, I actually started my career in the UK. I worked for the Conservatives in London, and at that time, this was the the heydays of, of Blairism and uh, the so-called Cool Britannia. And, and, and the, the Tories at the time seemed not to have caught up with it, right? I mean, there was this image that was very, very present that, you know, that was very present in the media uh, uh, that, you know, the, 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 the party was off by and for middle-aged white 
males, sometimes females, but but that was that was basically the idea, and and there was obviously some some truth to that. The party was not <laughs> was not at the, its most popular in the late nineteen uh, nineties, and there was a, a an understanding that there was a, a lot of work. Uh, uh, to do. There were efforts that were done back then to, to diversify the pool of candidates, notably. And actually, my first, my very, very first electoral campaign for the London Assembly uh, was for someone called uh, Said Kamal, whom I need now to uh, call uh, Baron Kamal, because he has been yes. in the European Parliament, and now yeah. uh, he is uh, sits in the House of Lords. So I, I'm, contra I'm putting the contrast here, because there was an image back then, which, which actually was to a certain extent Extent true because when you went as I did to a local conservative uh, office, it was true that basically what you had most of the time, even lo in London, in, in, in many places in London, is that you know there was uh, it, it was it was still uh, a, a, a not so diverse pool of people. But obviously, you know things have changed a lot, and this is what you just described. So my question to you is. What has happened? I mean, what was the turning point? Uh, and I guess that was that was the 2000s. And can you tell us what changed and how it changed? Yeah, I mean, look, I would go a little bit further behind uh, and further back into history, because in your introduction for me, you recognise that I'd received an MBE um, and I received uh, that award and that great privilege and honour um, after having worked with the Chambers of Commerce and having worked with some of the top businesses in the country, talk about how actually there was lots of really diverse junior management positions uh, and, uh, and yet for some reason senior management wasn't reflective uh, of the community that those businesses were working in, but also uh, their customer base. Uh, and also it wasn't reflective of, uh, you know, for some reason there was a, a quite a big drop off uh, in terms of getting uh, people into those senior management positions. And there was a lot of work that was done uh, with those companies. And ultimately what happened was it created a lot of jobs, uh, et cetera. But the, the first thing I would always go into any organization because many, especially your big corporates, they would always think about the fact that they were very, very good on diversity. They'd have their diversity policies. They'd have all these other initiatives. Uh, sometimes uh, there were initiatives that had the greatest of intentions, but actually, uh, you know, I, I refer you uh, to that, uh, that adage about the, the road to hell being paved with good intentions. The, 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 what I always used to say was actually the work is never done. Um, and just because you had one year, good year or two good years or three good years. Um, and how I relate that back to the Conservative Party, I mean, they had, a decade in the 80s where you had uh, one of the most defining leaders of our time um, you know in the world uh, in Mrs Thatcher um, and in a, an environment uh, you know quite clearly uh, a, a woman making it up to that position you, you know I'm sure there were many times that people were just uh, still astonished by that but uh, having done that I think the you know any organization that thinks that the job is done uh, is then quite, quite quickly will turn into static and uh, fails to progress, etc. I think the difference was um, ultimately, uh, certainly in the late 2000s, um, uh, the Conservative Party recognised two major things. Uh, you know, Side, you you mentioned uh, Side is a, is a is a very good friend of mine, uh, as is uh, Lord Hanan. And when when you talk to them, in fact, they they are very very good at re recognising a very very simple fact that most uh, ethnic minority communities in uh, the United Kingdom, certainly, uh, whether they be of Pakistani origin like I was or Indian origin or from the African continent or from the Caribbean, uh, most of those people have come over 
uh, to the country, uh, maybe in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Uh, you know, they, they, it was a massive sacrifice. They left everything behind. They left their family members. Um, and uh, they had one goal and one goal only, which was to thrive economically. And when you start to dig into those uh, communities, what you understand actually, um, uh, and I suspect the Conservative Party in the late 90s and early 2000s had forgotten this, is that, you know, from my, from my community, the Pakistani community is a incredibly uh, entrepreneurial community. We value the importance of family. We, we want to succeed um, on our own uh, merits. And I, I think that they, they really do link in with uh, conservative values. It's why I today can stand very confidently as a British Muslim uh, with Pakistani heritage and talk about conservative values and, and their importance. Um, and I think the, the Conservative Party recognised that, but you know that was the first step and then they slowly started to shift. And I think everyone would recognise that the big shift um, in, uh, in advancement in this arena was really when David Cameron introduced the A-list. Um, and the A-list sometimes is mistaken for being a positive action kind of, um, uh, you know, list of uh, things where, you know, introducing, saying we must have this type of person or that type of person. Um, if you look at, you know, I think Liz Truss was on the A-list. You look at uh, the Home Secretary, uh, the previous Home Secretary, uh, Priti Patel, she was on the A-list. And so many other senior cabinet members. I think what really David Cameron was saying was, we must open our eyes and cast our net out wide and recognize that there is talent across the country and irrespective of their background, irrespective of whatever the, the predisposition, the unconscious bias, whatever the, whatever, whatever the um, uh, parameters were, actually there are, there are talented people there and we have to go out there and make sure that they know that our door is open to them. And uh, certainly the success in my life when I've been working with organisations uh, has been that those are organisations that recognise that they have to go and do that, they are really, really successful. And I, I think the Conservative Party has had a great decade of success based on the fact that they, they based it on talent. And I think that made a big, big difference. Indeed. And again, it reminds us uh, how candidate selection is so important for the political life of a party. And a uh, little bit of self-promotion here. IRI has released a study of candidate selection in the transatlantic world, which is available on our on our website. The, uh, the, the chapter on the UK, which is super interesting, uh, was written by Andrew Bowie. Uh, and I really recommend our listeners to uh, come and check it out. But let's go back to, to this uh, uh, specific question of, of, of diversity and, and maybe enlarge it, going not only about the, the question of, of candidate selection, which, again, as, as you stated, uh, I think was really the turning point and, 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 and really changed uh, uh, the face of the party in, in, in so many ways. Um, but if you're a political party and if you, you want to promote diversity, there is the, the will to promote diversity because this is the right thing to do, right? But there's there's also a, a, a strong incentive because there are voters out there that need representation who stem from minorities and who do not necessarily feel that they are represented, let's say, by the Labour Party or by the Liberal Democrats, even though uh, uh, the Labour Party, at least in my time, was was kind of you know uh, claiming a, a really a monopoly on uh, uh, on on these uh, on the on, on that representation. So. Um, the thing is, back in the days when I started my career, they were they were convincing because if you looked at the at the at, at the numbers, uh, it was true uh, in the U.S. or in the uh, in the U.K. In places like France, in in Germany as well, that in the in the early two thousands, in the late nineteen nineties, uh, the minorities were voting really uh, uh, very strongly uh, for the parties on the left, and yet 
what I heard at, from the start of my career, right, was that uh, uh, actually a lot of people who are coming from uh, uh, Pakistani background, Indian background in the uh, in the in in the UK, from the Maghreb in France, or uh, from uh, from Latin America in the in the US, people with that background were actually much more conservatives in their values, in their outlook. Uh, than, uh, uh, than than the left wanted to 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 presuppose. So, um, all this to ask you this question: What is it that makes voters from minority voters tick for uh, the Conservative Party in the UK? Well, I think for the first step is understanding your objective, and I think what differentiates us from the left. And I know we're going to discuss this in a bit more detail, but what is not just having. Um, well, not having quotas as the, the, the left will want you to have, but is actually have it. The objective uh, should be to have uh, diversity of thought and diversity of opinion. And if you are truly, truly looking to uh, be married to that objective, um, your everything should then flow in, in, in terms of achieving that. So, um, for example, you know, we, we talked right at the start about the fact that, you know, the, the, the top four people aren't uh, middle aged white males. Well, actually being middle-aged and white and male uh, is perfectly okay if you if that individual is able to recognize uh, the value of having diversity of opinion and diversity of thought because then that permeates through the party as to be honest David Cameron did do that and he did recognize that and I, I, th I think he, you know he should be commended for uh, the change that that brought on um, but for me the big thing uh, really I mean where I really kind of recognize the value of this in politics now apart from just my own personal endeavor in politics was during the uh, brexit campaign and the referendum and i i led uh, a campaign group called muslims for britain um, and my primary objective really was to make sure that british muslims uh, and wider ethnic minorities had a voice in the referendum debate because of course there were going to be some really serious discussions around immigration uh in what, what the impacts will be on uh, different communities, because we know that there are ethnic minority communities across the country who have uh, lower economic outputs or uh, lower economic outcomes, and uh, we need to try and work to improve that. And so I set that group up and I, we did it in Birmingham. Uh, there were about 70 business people which goes back to that kind of entrepreneurial element. And it was absolutely fascinating, Thibaut, because within a month, uh, I was on Sky News, uh, on the national news, talking about uh, what we were standing for and making the, the British Muslim case, I suppose, um, as to why it was uh, good to be outside of the European Union. And, uh, and ultimately, in the referendum, uh, it's a lesser well-known fact, but we estimate the uh, one third of all the British Muslims who voted to, uh, voted in that referendum, uh, one third of those voted to leave. Uh, so the majority still voted to remain. I, you know, I acknowledge that, but eight hundred thousand, we estimate, uh, voted to leave, which was a significant amount of people. And when I went into inner city areas, that uh, frankly the Labour Party have always taken for granted, who they've always thought, right, well, we'll give them some sort of representation and keep them there, uh, you know, and basically resulting in and perpetuating further lower economic outcomes. I went there with, um, I remember a journalist, a Channel 4 News journalist, and it was absolutely fascinating. I thought we're going to go down this really ethnically diverse area 
and uh, knock on doors and people are going to say, no, we're voting Remain and I was going to get the door slammed on my face. I, it, it was absolutely fascinating. Every door we knocked on, 95% of the doors we knocked on, 95% of the shopkeepers we spoke to, they all wanted to vote to leave. And the reason they wanted to vote to leave was because they saw the difference in, um, in the way they were treated being of Pakistani, Bangladeshi or Indian origin primarily because that's where they were from. And uh, what the by being part of the European Union, what we saw was actually there was a two-tier system being created where it was not based on colour or race, but based on the colour of the passport that they were holding. And that had a significant impact. So, um, you know, and if I spoke to a business owner who generally traded with Pakistan, had bought their goods in India or from China, uh, and then said, actually, we're going to be out of the EU and then we're going to work to reduce trade barriers, they would, they, there was nothing to disagree with there for them because they understood that they were, they were practical, pragmatic business people and they saw that. If I spoke to a family who had recently come back from, uh, uh, had a wedding and they needed to get some of their relatives to come over to, uh, you know, do that wedding and they had to go through, you know, a massive rigmarole of bureaucracy and paperwork. And yet, if they had had a European passport, they could just walk into the country. Uh, you know, that that means people are going to feel that at a very emotional level because it's a practical reason. So when we drew, drew up that campaign, we, we ran a very positive outward looking open campaign um and uh, you know it, it just related to people people said actually yeah i do agree with that and my most fascinating uh, moment was uh, i was in a mosque and um i said right we're gonna do this but i want i want to make sure i always insisted that uh, we had uh, not just uh, the men there but also the women and it was fascinating that the women uh, in the mosque were uh, really really engaged on this debate and the reason because when they went over to France or they went over to Holland and they were wearing, uh, or Italy or wherever, and they were wearing their headscarves, they were, they were treated differently. Um, and yet in this country, um, you know, on the whole, uh, you know, everyone is allowed to dress freely without, without any prejudgment and they're allowed to go about their business. And there was just a big difference in the way they felt they were treated. So uh -huh. we had to connect with them on a very emotional level. And that has always been a very important lesson for me uh, because I then work with the mayor of the West Midlands uh, in a pr predominantly labour area. We have a conservative mayor. And he, he also understood this point and we worked very well together, making sure that communities felt engaged, that, that on an emotional level, they understood that whether it was Saki Batty, the member of parliament or Andy Street, the conservative mayor, uh, mayor of the West Midlands, there will be uh, work done around, you know, uh, we're going to talk about opportunities for their children, making sure they get to the best universities, that when we fight for jobs, that is, that, that is an opportunity for everybody. Uh, when we talk about better bus routes, that is to make sure that communities, wherever they are, whether they're in the inner city of Birmingham or, or, or on the outskirts of Birmingham, they have better access uh, to better facilities and better opportunity. Um, and so really, and all of that brings me back to my original point. We were driven by the fact that we wanted diversity of opinion and diversity of thought. And mm -hmm. that made a real difference in uh, achieving our outcomes. Okay, super interesting. And as a European uh, and, and a Europeanist, I find this discussion that you had on Brexit and how, uh, you know, the, the, the differences of perception, yeah. how people voted, this is fascinating. And next time we meet, I really want to have this conversation uh, uh, with you with you again. But let me go back because you, you've, I mean, there, there are so many, so many things you've just said that I'm, I'm trying to find uh, <laughs> how I'm, uh, <laughs> the next, the next question. But what I'd like to, to talk about right now is the, the question of 
immigration, because this is something that I find really fascinating. And here, not looking at the Euro European perspective, but really looking here, uh, UK, United States, uh, because in the United States, in the last elections, the Democrats were shocked to discover that in some areas, particularly border areas mm. in Texas, for example, people coming from minorities, people with Hispanic background here, basically, had been voting in droves for Republican candidates. And in many communities, including the African-American communities, the, the, the Republicans are actually making gains and very often making gains on a subject that is extremely sensitive, which is immigration. Um, yeah. So and 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 you guys, the Conservative Party, you are pretty tough on on, on immigration, right? I mean, it was it it, it is one of the uh, uh, you know one of the things you are uh, uh, known for. So, uh, do do you feel that the the, the labors, the labor or the, the the Democrats or generally the the the, the left, the center left uh, premise was that oh, people coming from minorities are almost naturally for immigration and. We actually find out that it's not necessarily the case. So are we are yeah. we missing something here? No, I think you're right. I think the the when I talked about the left taking ethnic minority communities for granted, it is exactly that kind of lazy thinking. Um, whether it's deliberate or subconscious, it it drives uh, the left to then assume that by taking certain positions, they've done enough to serve communities. And um, I, I think. Uh, it's, it's not that the Conservative Party uh, are tough on immigration. We're certainly tough on illegal immigration because we see the impact that it has uh, on uh, communities and uh, the, the disenfranchisement that that leads to, not, not least, of course, uh, the, the, uh, the risks of uh, you know, organised criminal gangs taking advantage of that. But it's actually broader than that because if you look at, you know, a lot of this comes down to psychology, I think. And if you uh, speak to someone who has... Uh, emigrated from, uh, you know, legally emigrated from uh, the subcontinent and South Asia or come from uh, Africa. You know, it's about newsflash for the left. It is not out of the ordinary to have a border around your country uh, and to have uh, have that. And most ethnic minorities, uh, uh, people that I speak to recognize that that is the case, that there, there are borders, that they, they are enforced. There is a reason for that. And you can have a perfectly sensible conversation uh, around that and um, you know for me I think we should be tough on immigration uh, illegal immigration but I also think we should be globalist I think we should be uh, uh, you know free marketeers and I think we should recognize that we want to be able to have a society that attracts the best talents in the world um, and uh, so that we can grow a pluralist uh, successful uh, society in the world and I think I think again because I want to have diversity of thought I might my diversity that I want is I want lots of different uh, people contributing to a very successful uh, society. And yet what the left will say is, no, we must, you know, just in the context of the referendum debate, for example, and this was highly prevalent, where there was a, um, you know, let's just, or, you know, the Liberal Democrats believe this, certainly, that, you know, we should have freedom of movement across Europe. Well, freedom of movement across Europe was not working uh, for many communities up and down the country. Um, in fact, Boris Johnson, when he spoke about uh, having better controls on immigration, he talked about the fact that actually the the influx of cheap labour was almost like a heroin to business, uh, and what it ultimately did was disenfranchise uh, communities across the country. Uh, it, it meant that you know we were less productive. It meant that we weren't training up 
uh, our workforce uh, to be the most productive workforce in the world. So I think it also has significant economic implications. And uh, to have uh, a proper debate around immigration, you have to have that. Um, and I remember um, uh, during the referendum doing a debate with uh, someone who is now a colleague of mine uh, around immigration. And it was a it was a perfectly civil uh, debate around immigration, which is good because sometimes they do descend into uh, a bit more heated discussion. And there was a there was a box pop someone played, and uh, the presenter said, "You know, what do you think of that?" And I said, "If you listen to that individual." Uh, he's talking about the pace of change and everything happening so quickly. And as politicians, we have to recognise that we have to, uh, that pace of change has to be managed. We have to be able to do it in a way that uh, those uh, communities recognise that uh, immigration can be a positive force uh, for change. And I, I, one thing I was very pleased with, of course, was uh, having this points-based immigration system uh, implemented because it is a very, very good step in the right direction. We just need to now make sure that uh, it, it is adaptable and flexible for the needs of our society. Um, uh, but you, we absolutely had to do that. And we had to move away from uh, you know, having a effectively a borderless uh, society where you, it was very even hard to even monitor what immigration was coming in and out, basically. Uh, so I think with the difference is uh, again it comes down to the fact that we want the best talent. We're a, we're, we are a globalized nation, and I think over time that will that will uh, transpire even more. Whereas the left just want to have you know this is what we we are the left try and perpetuate this myth of. Uh, having compassion uh, for uh, for you know just unfettered immigration, which just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, now going back to the to the question of diversity within the Conservative Party, um, here is the question or the counter argument uh, that is going to be brought forward by a white male who is soon approaching middle age, <laughs> which is to say, where do we? I mean. Does, does this, it's great to have diversity, and I know you, you already somehow answered the question, but I'd, I'd like to get to the bottom of this, yeah. because I think this is super important, particularly if you do not want to fall into the, the trap, so many on the left uh, fell into to do diversity just, just for the sake of diversity. So which, my question is like, where, where do we stop in terms of promoting diversity? And I think, you know, you, you talked about it was perfectly okay to be to be uh, white middle age. Uh, but the, the thing is, every individual is unique and has his or her own singularity. So if you push the argument to the very, very extreme, which I have to say some on the far left are doing, every individual is a minority, right? And so the question <laughs> is, then, you know, the, 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 there is a challenge Right to classify who is a minority and 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 who is not right. So yeah, um, uh, there's also I think uh, there there was talk about minorities. There's also the minorities or the constituent countries uh, or, or or nations. I don't remember what what the exact appellation is of the United Kingdom, right? Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, and England. Uh, there are yeah. also sexual minorities, but there are also social minorities, right? And people who are definitely underrepresented. I think uh, it was David Willits who, who once said that there should be some sort of a, affirmative action to ensure that people with a white working class background uh, should be represented in parliament as well, because there are so few of them now in, in political uh, parties and, and, and parliament. And you have to say very much so in the Labour Party, which is which is kind of uh, uh, strange, right? Because mm. they were supposed to be the, the, the parties or the, or, or the workers, at least originally there were. So my question here is where where does the bucket stop and where at which point does the promotion of diversity 
become a problem if 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 ever it is right well look Thibaut, let me say this first of all i mean the the answer is merit 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 right the the you always um and you always have to kind of sense you almost have, you know have to re- sense check yourself against that in that in that circuit and come back and say why are we doing something um uh, and the reason i say that is i think there is everything you've just said perfectly uh, epitomizes uh, the falsehoods and the 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 weak foundations of the left argument uh, because uh, of course it would be entirely ridiculous to you know of course we're all individual and we're all unique of course we are we're all you know uh, special in our own way um, but if you start to look at diversity in that in that way then of course clearly it's it's unsustainable to implement any sport form of policy um uh, and to do anything meaningful uh, in that way and that's why the you have to the conservative approach to this is so much better because it's completely focused on merit um and uh, the 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 reality is uh, i mean just last week uh to i don't know if you're aware but uh you know we've got a uh, a chancellor who is black who went to eton um, which I think uh, really m- messes with, you know, Eton, one of the top schools in the world, really messes with the minds of the left. Um, and uh, one MP, uh, I think, referred to him as uh, one Labour MP from the left, referred to him as oh, he's superficially black, which was, uh, you know, incredibly racist. And uh, the Labour Party, you know, there was a massive, uh, uh, you know, a cry of, uh, an uproar around this and the Labour Party had no choice but to immediately suspend the whip from her because it is uh, because in, in itself it's an entirely it's a pompous racist entirely ridiculous statement to make because but it was because just sorry just for for our listeners who are from 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 outside uh and and not necessarily conservatives because we also have liberal and labor which which the labor party did and 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 the labor party leader did and and this would not necessarily have been the case under the previous labor party leader right precisely so precisely and um, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, Thibault, I fully acknowledge that, that they uh, they moved quickly uh, in terms of suspending the whip. There, you know, we have to be fair when good things happen, and they had to do that. But the the reality is that, that and, and, and this, by the way, by the way, this MP was an ethnic minority MP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so which made it even more uh, bizarre. But it really what it did was epitomise for me the way the left view. Um, diversity, which is again, they have those categories in their mind of what it means to, you know, how ridiculous the statement that was. That what it means to be uh, from a black community. What what it, you know, the implication, of course, being that he didn't speak the way they, they expected. She expected him to speak. He didn't behave the way she expected him to behave. And of course, as you just recognised, we were all individually unique. You know, we have different uh, paths in our lives. So we have different levels of education and whatnot. And um, I, I think the left will always run into those kinds of problems time and time again because uh, they will always uh, try and find superficial solutions uh, to uh, make their party and uh, more diverse and their policies more more diverse. And I, I think they will always struggle to do that, and that, that's why we see that. And you you correctly recognise. I mean, they had a big issue uh, under the previous leader around uh, um, anti-Semitism. Um, and uh, the EHRC, the European uh, Human Rights Commission, uh, recognised that, that actually there was a se- serious issue about dealing with anti-Semitism. 
Um, so uh, in, in the party, and just last week, I was uh, there was an, another story that came out around uh, how ethnic minorities from the South Asian continent, I think uh, Muslims, uh, are treated in in the Labour Party as well. So it, it doesn't those, those things don't surprise me because you see these things time and time again. And really, what you need to have is uh, an understanding of actually uh, we are all different, but the way to deal with that situation is through merit. Um, and Thibaut, one thing I uh, I, I just want to address is you, you talked about what David Willett said, and David Willett's actually uh, was from uh, Birmingham, and uh, he, he, you know, a very culturally diverse uh, uh, city and region, and he talked about the white working class communities. Uh, by the way, I agree with him, because actually, if we're looking at it from a, merit, merit, a meritocratic point of view, one of the most uh, uh, underprivileged communities currently, you know, with the lowest economic outcomes, uh, lowest uh, school uh, progression through school, uh, lowest kind of uh, success in terms of skills and the highest jobs are the white working class communities. Um, so I'm always very conscious of that, even when I did my diversity work uh, in business, you know, we had to really, I always insist that we acknowledge the impact and uh, of and the engagement of white working class communities, um, because if you're truly based on merit and trying to get everyone uh, to be success, successful, uh, you have to recognize that. Uh, and so I think David uh, had a point there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but uh, absolutely. I mean, super interesting. And, and, you know, this gives me the opportunity to uh, make a little bit of publicity for for two episodes that we recorded in the past uh so you'll have to to check them out on our uh, uh on, on on your favorite podcast platform whichever you're using uh with david goodhart uh, who wrote two amazing books about this issue of uh not only of of, of working class you know the, the somewheres and the anywheres but also on uh, uh the question of the, the 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 merit and uh head and heart right and how maybe we we are overvaluing the head and not enough uh, the hand, the uh, uh, more uh, working class or artisanal uh, uh, work, and and heart, the 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 care work. But that uh, uh, this is a uh, another conversation that is, I think, uh, super interesting to have, and which is available on your platform podcast on Think Atlantic. Saki, this was super interesting, and unfortunately, we're we're already coming to the end of of, of this conversation. But before I let you go, I'd like to invite you, like my other guests, to take part in our lightning Q and A session. Uh, the yep. uh, it's going to be very simple. I'm going to ask you three very short questions, and I'm going to ask you to provide. Three very, very short answers. Just one sentence max. A couple of words, nothing more. Is that okay? Yep. Go, let's go for it. I'm really excited. Okay. Let's go for it then. Uh, question number one. What was the single most important measure taken by the Conservative Party to increase diversity within the party? Um, I, I guess in my time, the A-list that David Cameron introduced to get the best people uh, around the table. Okay. Question number two. What is the Conservative value that has the biggest appeal among minorities in the UK? Ooh, um, well, th th there's loads, but I think aspiration, and I might just add on aspiration and hard work. I think they're the most important ones that really um, appeal to ethnic minority communities. And question number three, what advice would you give to a political party outside of the UK that wants to diversify its pool of candidates? focus on merit and focus on uh, the objective of diversity of thought. Um, and uh, you, you may not be successful the first time, but you'll get very close. Okay, well, that was uh, three very short uh, questions, but even shorter answers, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Sakib, thank you so much once again for your time. This was a fascinating discussion and a deep dive into the politics of diversity of the Conservative Party. And I think there are lessons 
for us all here to draw from Britain's experience across all the transatlantic space and whether uh, whether you agree with Brexit uh, or, or, or not as well. So uh, super interesting. And if you enjoyed this conversation, whether you're a Brexiteer or a Remainer from the United States or from continental Europe, I really advise you to follow uh, Saqib Bati on uh, social media. He's at uh, Bati underscore Saqib. For our part, we are still at IRI Global on Twitter with uh, Think Atlantic at Think Atlantic for the podcast. And our website, of course, is still IRI.org. And while you're visiting our website, I remind you that you should definitely check out our publication on candidate selection in the transatlantic space because uh, as we heard this is a very related topic and don't miss the chapter on the UK which was written uh, by Saqib's colleague uh, the member of parliament for uh, Scotland uh, Andrew Bowie. Uh, this is the end of this episode of Think Atlantic the podcast that provides you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. Many thanks to Romain Lequinu for producing this series. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new topic to discuss in the meantime if you liked what you heard please subscribe to the show and of course share it with your friends and colleagues we love it when we get more listeners thanks a lot for listening in and talk to you soon